the architect. I've been waiting for you. Why am I here? Your life is the sum of a remainder of an unbalanced equation inherent to the programming. You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision. While it remains a burden assiduously avoided, it is not unexpected and thus not beyond a measure of control, which has led you inexorably here. As you are undoubtedly gathering, the anomaly is systemic, creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equations. Choice. The problem is choice. First time, I get it. I had an opinion. See, in the beginning, it was just us and him. Then he created humans. He gave them more than he ever gave us. He gave them a choice. You just throw whatever you got. The boys are all here for you. We'll back you up. We'll be there. You're the reason. We're not going to screw that up. We're going to be awesome for you right now. All right? Come on. Come on. What do you guys want? Get some sour cream and onion chips with some dip, man. Some beef jerky, some peanut butter. Get some Hagen dazs ice cream bars, a whole lot of hot. Make sure chocolate, gotta have chocolate, man. Some popcorn, bread popcorn, graham crackers. Graham crackers with the marshmallows, little marshmallows, and little chocolate bars, and we'll make some s'mores, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yo. <laughs> also, celery, grape jelly, uh, Captain Crunch with blue crunch berries, pizzas. We need two big pizzas, man. Everything on them with water, a whole lot of water, and onions. That's it. I'm in love with Mary Jane. She's my main thing. She makes me feel alright. She makes my heart sing. The money we do have is not for spending, it's for saving. Kenny's sweet virgin ass, man. You gotta spend one more dime, I swear I will bitch slap. I'm sorry for yelling. But I'm serious. We gotta stop being more responsible and focus. All right. Man, you can't up in the side to sell weed. You gotta know people to plug you into that kind of thing. I do. Who you know? You, yo. <laughs> Me. What, man? You think I can just walk in and take this shit? I gotta. I gotta get a form from a scientist. Well, how hard can it be, man? It's gotta be forms laying around. I mean, they are scientists. Watched uh, Baby Boom with Diane Keaton. 
don't know if you ever heard of that one. It's on uh, HBO Max right now. It's one of those movies that I would always peruse the blockbuster, uh-huh. and I would always see it on the shelf. I mean, but it's obviously a movie about a woman with a baby, and I was a dude. But I always saw the cover of the movie. Sleepaway Camp 2, the cover art of that, that's just like such a tease, you know? You know they're not in the movie. If I would have saw that at 7, I would have been like, oh my god, I missed the old cover art, the, you know, going to Blockbuster and getting a movie solely based on what the poster is, you know? Another one that always struck me was the cover for that movie, uh, Shocker. Yes. It was a movie that I'd never watched for years, but that poster always just seared into my memory. We were actually watching the, the creation of the movie Clerks. Yeah. And uh, one of the factoids that I found out was that in the movie, he had to literally write in somebody put gum in the locks for a lighting purpose. They had to oh. light it a certain way. Otherwise, it'd be a huge glare and it's black and white film. You know, there would just be a huge amount of white, you know, coming in through. And my wife, while we were watching it, she goes, now, I always wondered why they didn't just take some bolt cutters. And I was like, you see, because when he was making the fucking movie, he couldn't do that. And that's yeah. the reason why. You know, but you don't know that because you weren't there when they were making the fucking movie. I saw a Teen Wolf Halloween costume on the internet the other day. It was one of the nicer, like $70 Halloween costume, but it had the full decked out when he's playing basketball. He's got the (laughs) basketball jersey on, but the furry hood on your head, the furry feet and legs and hands. I was like, oh, that's a good one, man. I'd I'd pull that off. I hope it's a cold night that night. God, it'd be so fucking hot in there. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Like, and, and and you're pulling off some stupid Michael J. Fox movie reference. All right, are you ready to do this, man? Let's roll, man. Let's do it. Give me two seconds. Okay, more than that. One second. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spitting the Real Shit, uh, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group, The Real Shit. Now, you are catching us on a very special day because this is our 39th episode ever. And today, you have joined us for volume two of the group choice episode. You voted for it, and now we're talking about it. And this time around, the members of The Real Shit have decided that the newly crowned stoner film bracket champion Half-Baked will be discussed tonight. Uh, We discuss the champ as well as give our choices for the top three drug scenes, talk buddy cops, Venom, and take a visit to The Real Shit obituary. My name is Charlie Thompson, founder, administrator, and bracket master of The Real Shit, and joining me. As always, is my co-host and fellow administrator, the Midnight Movie Maniac himself, Ryland Johnson. What's going on, man? What's up, man? How you doing, man? Just chilling, man. Episode 39, we're almost over the hill, man. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. 39 episodes. This, this show's older than I am now. I'm really proud of our output, you know. And as a matter of fact, I wanted to give a shout-out to Andrew Edwards <laughs> and his choice of meaning of life. If you're a regular listener, man, thank you so much for listening to our show. Uh, we really appreciate it. You know, we're inching closer and closer to our yearly show, which I think we should do a big bash for. You know, it only took a pandemic for me to say, you know what? I, I have time to do this. <laughs> you know, I don't have any excuses. So it's been a fun ride. I know we took some time off, so it's not going to, you know, 52 doesn't match up with the year. So, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. 
but we're getting there. I mean, we're not far away. It says a lot about our consistency. You know, we've had some life things happen and, and other things happen that get in the way and we've skipped a few weeks or or needed a break here and there. But man, I'm just, I'm proud of how well we've chugged along and uh, the footwork we put in to get guests on and and keep it rolling, baby. You know what I'm saying? And, and in the same process, you know, helping build the, the camaraderie of the group, which is something that I wasn't expecting. So I thought that nobody was going to listen to this fucking show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've got some true fans. We've had a couple of live meetups and we pulled it off. King Kong vs. Godzilla was a blast. Even Shawshake was great, even though it was a small turnout. But man, it's getting back to real life here. I think this summer I'm going to be sitting in this movie theater is having a blast with some popcorn, man. I'm sure once you get that bucket of popcorn and that giant ass soda pop, <laughs> You're going to let bygones be bygones. Back to the Midnight Movie Maniac. But yeah, man, it's just fun to look back. You know, we're almost on 40 episodes, two live episodes. Uh, I've had a trip to the hospital. Besides us being narcissistic as fuck, uh, <laughs> there's other stuff happening in the world. Namely, one of my favorite character actors uh, passed away this week. And we don't usually often do a lot of the obituary type stuff on this show, but I feel like Charles Grodin is a perfect candidate. We did one for Sean Connery. We did one for Chadwood Boseman. And so I think Charles Grodin is perfect to kind of spotlight on this show. Anybody who doesn't know who Charles Grodin is, I think it's a great chance for us to enlighten them. You see, this is why you're a lousy student. Look at your attitude. <laughs> you're not interested in this. You know, Charles, you should be more selective in your comedy. <laughs> My memories of Charles Grodin were always like early 90s memories. Mm -hmm. And one of the first movies I saw of his was a movie called Taking Care of Business that co-starred mm -hmm. uh, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi was huge in the early 90s for some reason. I don't know why. From Hollywood Pictures, conman Jimmy Dworsky has found businessman Spencer Barnes' date book. All right. My life was in there. Now, Jimmy's got the key to a whole new life. I'm on Dynasty. But unfortunately, it's going to cost Spencer Freeze! everything he owns. This is a disaster. <laughs> Charles Grodin and James Belushi. You must be Spencer. Thank you, God. Taking care of business. Want to join me? Sure. Yeah! Rated R. National Sneak Preview, Sunday, August 12th. Do you remember watching Taking Care of Business, Ryland? Oh, huge fan of that one. I love the premise of it. You know, he's kind of a con out of jail. He's playing off as some rich guy in this big house. And Grodin's the stereotypical corporate guy. He just plays that part well, man. He plays the grumpy middle-aged man. Like, that's just what he is. What would you say is Charles Grodin's claim to fame? Like, what do you think... Everybody no. will remember him for. If you're my age, you're probably a big Beethoven fan. Um, Midnight Run uh, was also a big one, too. I don't think she's coming by. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Sometimes you just have to let go. Just get yourself a new watch. back at his filmography he did a lot in the 60s and 70s that i wasn't aware of and, and that's kind of my gray area for movies anything pre-75 ish is kind of my unknown zone maybe all of this is coincidence but one thing is for sure they have a coven and they want my baby certainly seems that way <laughs> i was afraid you wouldn't believe me 
I don't believe in witchcraft, but there are plenty of maniacs and crazy people in this city. Chevy Chase wrote a really cool thing on Facebook. They were really close buddies. I think his story was, it was like Chevy's 75th birthday. He goes, all we did was sit on this yacht that we rented, and Groden just had me fucking dying the whole time. So, comedy legend. Oh, yeah. He's very influential. Like, just that deadpan comedy, like uh, all these older comedians. It'd be remiss not to mention Charles Groden and those names, you know? The reason, the reason, the real reason people resent me is because for 30 years I've been with Johnny Carson and you right. with this with this bit. This is a bit. I'm actually a very... <laughs> but my favorite movie with Charles Grodin is a movie called Clifford with Martin Short and Mary Steenburgen. I'm not sure if you've seen that one. I, I remember seeing it. I don't remember a damn thing about it. I just remember Martin Short being this obnoxious adult playing like a six-year-old and i remember the ending with the dinosaur was yes. this a fever dream or was this a real thing <laughs> right it's it's so incredibly gonzo man but groden without him without his reactions without his responses to to martin short i don't think it would have been near as good of a movie are you listening to me are you i have a criminal record but you know what you're gonna have what? You're gonna have a one-way ticket back to your parents. Oh, don't send me back to my parents. They hate me. Not as much as I do. <laughs> oh, stop with the fake tears. I'm not faking. I am sorry. I'll admit anything. Just don't send me back to my parents. Uh, but hands down, my favorite Charles Grodin performance is uh, his bit part in Star Mary Nax Murder. He's just so incredibly deadpan. And he's so upset, and it's hilarious. If you've never seen Star Mary and Axe Murder, uh, it's, I recommend it, but especially that scene. He, he steals the show. Excuse me, sir. I'm with the San Francisco Police Department. This is official police business. I would like to commandeer this vehicle. No. What do you mean, no? I happen to know for a fact that you don't have the right to commandeer my vehicle. Please, can I commandeer this vehicle? No. You're just, you're just not going to bend on this commandeering thing, are you? No. I've always loved Charles Grodin. I know he's not the biggest name in Hollywood. Last thing I think I saw him in was he played that really grumpy doctor in the show Louie. And after that, I really didn't see him a whole lot. Uh, can you help me with my back? I mean... What's wrong with your back? It hurts. Mm -hmm. My professional diagnosis is your back hurts. Well, what can I do about it? Nothing. Nothing? The problem is you're using it wrong. The back isn't done evolving yet. Uh, it, you see, the spine is a row of vertebrae. It was designed to be horizontal, and people came along and used it vertical. Wasn't meant for that. So the discs get all floppy, swollen, pop out left, pop out right. Can take another, say, twenty thousand years to get straight out. Until then, it's going to keep hurting. So that's it. It's an engineering design problem. It's a misallocation. We were given a clothesline, and we're using it as a flagpole. So what? What should I do? Use your back as it was intended. Walk around on your hands and feet. But just know, sir, that your legacy is secure in Hollywood and you will be missed. We appreciate all the entertainment that you have ever given us. So thank you so much, Charles Grodin. Rest in peace. You're a true legend. See you in the next life. See you in the next life. 
But as far as industry news, guys, there's not a whole lot. But we did get a trailer drop for the brand new Venom sequel uh, starring Tom Hardy. And it's a Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Good evening, Eddie. Hey, Mrs. Chen. Good evening, Venom. Carson Hall, Mrs. Chen. He says hi. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. I've been thinking about you, eh? Because you and I are the same. Every decision we ever make. Who do we leave behind? And how do we leave them? Waiting in the darkness for the rescuer who never comes. Welcome back, Eddie Brock. It's been a long time. Miss you so much. delivery hasn't arrived yet. No! We had a deal. What's gonna happen? You gonna stop protecting me? I am happy to eat, Mrs. Chen! No, no, you cannot eat, Mrs. Chen. What? Nothing. You know, you said earlier that you caught the trailer right before the show. I caught it the day it came out. I'm a big trailer guy, so any big trailer that comes out, I'm definitely getting into it. And the first one, I I definitely watched, but it was pretty underwhelming for me. The concept's cool. I'm a big Tom Hardy fan, too, so. But, like I've always said, it's all about the villains in these comic book movies. You know, that's what draws me, and that's what I think creates a better movie. And you're getting it right now. I mean, Carnage and and Venom are apparently huge rivals in the comics. I'm not really up to date on the the history of these two, and, you know, I know he's from outer space and all that shit. You know, I don't know much about him. I just think this is going to be definitely an improvement you got my boy woody harrelson in there playing the bad guy i'm a big woody fan so it looks fun it looks pretty action-packed i'll definitely check it out funny that you mentioned the lack of knowledge of these characters. If you have lack of knowledge, then I really have lack of knowledge. A bulk of my comic book knowledge comes from, I don't even know if you remember these, but Marvel used to sell trading cards with their characters on them, like kind of like, like baseball players. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. I was a huge collector as a kid. Had my baseball collection meticulously in order in my little binder. And when those Marvel cards hit, I was like, oh, man, because the X-Men comics in the 90s just exploded. Mm-hmm. And then you get trading cards with the stats on the back you could turn them over and it would give the whole rundown of their powers like where they're from and all that cool stat stuff that i was into yeah all the way back in 1990 these mm-hmm. were released by Impel, mm-hmm. though they later renamed their company to skybox so if you saw oh. skybox on trading cards yes this was when uh, like 
baseball cards were at a huge new height. And so then comic book companies like Marvel got into the act and started making cards based on all their characters. Beautifully made. I mean, the artwork on these things were great. So it, it was a fun collectible as a kid because I wasn't the biggest comic reader at the time. I was I was dabbling. But those yeah. cards really gave you a good base knowledge of a lot of that. I absolutely agree. It was it was way more engaging for me to collect the cards than it was to read the books any day of the week. It was just quick facts. You got to get a good piece of artwork on the front. You got all the information on the back. Like that's the reason why I know who Eddie Brock is is because of the Marvel trading cards. And so th- that's the extent of my knowledge is just the quick rundown of Carnage and Venom that I read on the back of a Marvel trading card back in 1993. I'm a lot less biased that way, you know. One thing I noticed with the first Venom movie that was prepared perplexing for me was how many people were just kind of like meh to the movie you know when i was coming up when the x-men came out like all these possibilities became apparent and the name that i would always hear you know besides spider-man and you know iron man stuff like that was venom everybody would just geek out over what a venom movie would look like and then 2018 comes around venom gets released like it's what you wanted it's this movie that you wanted and then everybody was just like, yeah. This is, to me, a second or third tier character in the comic book world. So the average fan's going to go, who? They don't know anything about Venom or Carnage. I'm sure the true fans were loving it for the subject matter. They nailed it. Tom Hardy's a great choice for that character, Eddie Brock. And now we're getting a, a much stronger villain. That'll be a lot more fun of a movie. They did shit on it pretty bad. They said the CGI was this and that. But how are you going to create those two characters without CGI? I mean, come on. And, and I loved how they didn't show really any Carnage footage whatsoever. Did you notice that? It reminded me of the Dementor hand mm-hmm. from the first Ozkaban trailer. Very ominous, but very symbolic. I mean, you got Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson going at it as alien goo monsters. <laughs> Go watch this movie. It, it sounds amazing. What are you waiting for? Do it! The, you know, like the goo stuff that was happening, that was exactly what I imagined it was, you know, from the drawings that I saw. And then whenever the reception came out, I was like, isn't that what he is? Nowadays, these fans, they want a better plot. They want a better script. I think that's what it was lacking a little bit in the first one. But that's the only thing I really saw that seemed newsworthy in the world of our group. But we do have some group news. This week, we dropped the bracket preview for the Buddy Cop bracket starting the 31st of May. I grew up in the Buddy Cop era, man. I'm stoked. It's been fun to see the banter back and forth about what is a Buddy Cop movie? (laughs) Like, Seven is the prime example for me. But the tone and the outcome of that movie isn't even in the same realm of a lethal weapon or tango in cash. Seriously. I mean, you're getting a little radical here, aren't you? What's radical? Blowing a man's head off with a fucking hand grenade is a touch much, don't you think? <laughs> you got your way, I got mine. You know, I'm kind of glad you didn't want to talk, Raheem. You know that? Let me just shoot him in the goddamn leg. He'll talk! It can be a pretty broad spectrum. But then again, you can also get really niche with it if you want what makes a good buddy cop racket. And so I started making little examples. And I, and I wanted to just mention a couple of them here. First one was Point Break. You know the plot to Point Break. You know, Johnny Utah becomes an FBI agent and he's on the pursuit of Bodie, the, the surfer, and his bank robbing crew. But there's also the Gary Busey aspect of that movie. Watch your mouth. Maybe you ought to just take some early retirement right now and get some rent-a-cop night security job. Tell Nam stories. Listen, you snot those little shit. I was taking shrapnel and caisson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face. You mad? Yeah, I'm mad. Good and mad. Yeah. What do you want to do about it? It feels good, doesn't it? Like you're still alive, right? Yeah. Well, since you're still alive and you're not in the box just yet, 
Why don't you tell me this theory of yours and we'll go get these guys? And so what's the over-under? Do you think that counts as a buddy cop film? It, that's that's that gray area for me because there's been people that have put some great points out there. My brother on the page was like, it's more of a relationship between Johnny Utah and Swayze's character. Busey, of course, I love his character in that. And you got to throw out the... I am an FBI agent! You got to throw that, that voice clip in there. Oh, absolutely. Utah, two. Yeah, give me, give me two. <laughs> and so those buddy cop tendencies are all there. It's just lesser volume, really. It's got to be one cop who's the old veteran, the young hothead gets on. Obviously, they, they don't have a good relationship to begin with. It's always like, I don't need another partner, or my partner died, or now they get this new guy. They have to team up to win the day. It's a whole broad thing. I mean, you throw in Men in Black. I mean, you threw in Roger Rabbit there. I'm like, I don't know, man. Good looking guy like that. <laughs> the Danes will be breaking his door down. Danes? <laughs> what Danes? Don't think I'm the only one for me. You'll see. We'll ride them up this piddling piccadillo. We're going to be happy again. You got that? Happy. Triple A-K-P-P-I. <laughs> We talked about Last Boy Scout a couple weeks ago. I mean, Damon Wayans is nowhere near a police detective in that movie, but it still has all those beats to it, you know? And so I can't discount it just yet. And I even added Loaded Weapon 1, you know, which is literal parody of Lethal Weapon, you know, but still holds up on its own because of those buddy cop tears that we talk about. Don't be so fast to thank me on this, Luca, because you're gonna be naked on this one. It's on the line for you. People are going to be watching. Now you blow it, you're going down. You screw up, you're going to be hung out to dry. You drop the ball, you're going to be like twisted in the wind. If you embarrass this department, your pants will be dancing with figs. Is that clear? Everything but the pants fig thing. There's got to be a main perk. There's got to be some kind of henchman involved. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, know, like you have to get through that guy to get to the main guy, you know. Yeah, there, there's, there's certain things that have to be in there, I believe. But everything else is fluid. You know, you can kind of interchange it. I threw Training Day in there. I threw uh, The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, a newer entry. You get drunk, you lose your gun, you take your header off the balcony, and now you're going to tell me it's like a, a hallowed time on a detective ploy, right? It was very slippery up there, okay? I was, I was in the pool. You're in the pool? Yeah. Why? I had to question the mermaids. What were you doing while I was working? Thank you. A stakeout with Dreyfus and Estevez. I even threw Zootopia in there. You know, that's total buddy cop. So as far as the gamut is concerned, I'm trying to get the umbrella under everything. Lethal Weapon's got this in the bag. I mean, this is a huge number one seed. It's the epitome of a buddy cop movie. Hey, look, friend, let's just cut the shit. Now, we both know why I was transferred. Everybody thinks I'm suicidal, in which case I'm fucked and nobody wants to work with me. Or they think I'm faking to draw a psycho pension, in which case I'm fucked and nobody wants to work with me. Basically, I'm fucked. Guess what? What? I don't want to work with you. I know there's going to be a lot of banter back and forth about some of the selections, which makes it always fun. It, just because it's the first doesn't necessarily make it the best. And I, I really want to flesh that idea out in this bracket and see where everybody's head's at. You know, May 31st, guys, is going down round one. But after that, guys, I think we got a game to play, Riley. You want to play a game? Let's play a game. <laughs> This game, uh, we've played a lot on this show. It's our good old top three game. Uh, But this week, we are doing top three drug scenes. And we're not limiting it to just weed or marijuana. Uh, Any drug that's being used on any kind of feature film counts 
as an option for your top three. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. I've got an honorable mention I'm going to throw out. My honorable mention is going to be the scene in Boogie Nights at the end where they're trying to scam over uh, Alfred Molina's character and he's tossing the firecrackers. Everybody's sweaty. They're doing their cocaine. They're trying to rob this guy. The intensity in that scene with the firecrackers is just like a 9.9. Don't be crazy, okay? Sir, you don't know anything about this, okay? This is not at all what we wanted. Shut the fuck up, sir. Do not reach for your gun. Don't reach for your gun. It's a good long 15-minute scene, too, so. You know, late 70s, you know, classic rock playing. Everybody's just incredibly coked up. It's just a, a perfect storm. It's so good. I love it. What about you? You got, a, you got an honorable mention or just a top three? Well, yeah, I do have an honorable mention, but it's so obscure. You remember those old, like, Faces of Death, uh, VHS yeah. that you always heard about? Mm-hmm. Well, there was another video series that came out that was kind of on par with that, but I'm not sure if you know about this one. It's a video series called Bum Fights. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes, thank God. Yeah, Bum Fights got, was, was all over the news, man, that thing. And, of yeah. course, you know, early internet kid, I was watching those for sure. There was a character in the movie. His name was Bling Bling. Mm-hmm. And he made a song about him smoking his crack pipe. <laughs> and how he kept his crack pipe in his collar. Bling Bling expertise in crack smoking. Gold crack. Bling Bling's crack pipe hidden inside of his collar. Only the Bling Bling. This is Bling Bling's crack pipe. Before they hit crack. During the hit of crack. This hit of crack goes out all the times. I wish I had one and didn't. Guy had three teeth in his head. It was really jarring for me. Like you said, an early internet kid. These were the days of like Rotten.com and shit like that, you know? So looking at fucked up shit on the internet was like the go-to as a child of the 90s. Bum fights was definitely one of those. And just seeing this dude just hit this crack pipe was yeah. just so like weird for him. He would just do it in public. Being a movie guy, you see all these action films or this drug use or whatever. Then you see the real shit and you're like, oh, man, that's way, way more intense. If you're a fan of fucked up shit, go seek out bum fights. It's it's so incredibly just exploitative. If you're into that kind of thing, it's right up your alley. But I want to hear your number three, Ryland. Number three. Now, I put fear and loathing and I put the whole movie with a question mark. (laughs) Strange memories on this nervous night in Las Vegas. Has it been five years? Six? It seems like a lifetime. The kind of peak that never comes again. San Francisco in the middle 60s was a very special time and place to be a part of. But no explanation, no mix of words or music or memories can touch that sense of knowing that you were there and alive in that corner of time in the world. Whatever it meant. I mean, from the get-go, these guys are on numerous, countless drugs. Just such a fun, trippy ride the whole time. I quote that movie a lot, man. You took too much, man. You took too much, too much. (laughs) There's some unique drug use in that film you won't see anywhere else. Did you want to hear a secret, Rylan? I love secrets. I've never seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. What? Yeah, I I caught snippets of it. I never started it from the beginning. Maybe that's my fault. Worth a watch, baby. You got to get that in. 
Yeah, the footage I've seen, it just never really appealed to me. So I never made a, a point to go back and watch it. I, there's parts I've seen. There's a part where he has like the gator tail at the end. I remember that being a really crazy part that stuck in my brain. But as far as everything else, I remember the, the soundtrack mix was like purposely lowered down. There's a lot going on in that movie. And Johnny Depp always plays these quirky characters you know but this is based off a hunter s thompson and i've heard from people that know more about hunter s thompson that's pretty accurate of how he lived his life and i think it's some of johnny depp's best work to be honest johnny depp lived with him for months and there's some crazy stories that come out of that yeah it's worth the watch i'm a huge fan of the oddball film you know so why i have never seen this movie not sure but you know what i'll make it a point if it made your number three in the entire movie is your number three i'll definitely make it a point to watch it my number three though is a film uh, that might be a little less known, but still very cult, and that's the movie uh, SLC Punk. Have you seen this film, Ryan? I have. One of my old roommates introduced me to that. There's a scene in the movie where they drop acid just during the day. In the beginning, they didn't think there was going to be much going on with it, but then later on, it really starts to kick in, and you start to see it from the viewpoint of the user. It's really jarring, like especially, I think I watched that movie when I was 17. When, when I saw that film, I was I was like, I don't want to see that ever again. Since then, I've, I've seen the movie dozens of times, and I applaud the film. But that's one of those that really caught me the first time I saw it. So what I do, I dropped acid with Sandy in Highland Park is to further ignore the truth. This shit is good. I got it from Trish. Trish got it from Mark. It's a weird couple. Bob and Trish. Do you think they're in love? Don't know. I'll have to ask him that. It's weird. What's that? The park. So dead. This town is dead. It's what? It's dead. 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 Maybe we're dead. Wouldn't that be nice? Raw moments in the film, for sure. Much more real than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, that's my number three. Uh, What about your number two, Ryland? Number two is one of my favorite Nick Cage movies, man. Our boy. It's Lord of War. Didn't get a lot of steam, but I like it. I enjoy it. Jared Leto in there as well. And there's a scene. Jared Leto has always been the cokehead of the two. Uh, Nick Cage's character is this gun runner. He's this real professional guy. And he's got his shitty brother who can't get his shit together, always doing blow. He goes missing for months, and, and Nick Cage's character finds him in a, in a shady hotel room. He has a table that he has got so much cocaine on that he has made the entire country of Ukraine out of cocaine. <laughs> like he's sitting there geeked out, and he's making the borders perfectly. And Nick Cage's character comes in and just swipes that table of all that cocaine. And Leto just explodes, you know, and, and freaks out because, I mean, you know, that's a lot of cocaine. Okay. Uh, Yuri. It's my brother, Yuri. He's my big brother. The fuck is that? Ukraine. I was young, but I remember. Look, I, I start in Odessa, right? And then I, I work my way to the Crimean. You're gonna be dead before you fucking reach camp. Come on, we're going home. Come on. You come fuck! On. You fucking fuck! You fucking fuck! Fuck is your problem? That scene in that movie always stuck with me. Like, you know, you just don't see that in movies too often. But yeah, that's a great movie if you've never caught Lord of War. I'm catching the vibes that cocaine is really the drug of choice on the favorite drug scenes. Because my number two is a cocaine scene. And it actually comes from Boogie Nights as well. But mine is the scene where Roller Girl and Julianne Moore's character Mm. are just in that bedroom just doing coke during the day. And they're just talking about the most far out shit. Seems depressing as hell. Don't you miss Dirk? Yeah. He's so fucking talented. The past 
I love him really girly, and I mean, I really love stupid tree. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I want you to be my mom, Amber. Are you my mom? I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you if you're my mom, okay? And, and you say yes, okay? Are you my mom? Yes, buddy. <laughs> yes. And they say they want to go out and do things, and they're like, but I don't want to leave this room. I guess Boogie Nights came out like 97. I didn't start sowing my wild oats until about 2004, 2005, maybe. I remember having that feeling, too, whenever I was into that type of stuff, you know, and being like, this is just like Boogie Nights. Pretty realistic. I was like you, you know, you catch it in your teens and you go, oh, man, that stuff's crazy. I don't ever want to do that. And then you go to college and you're like, hey, everybody's doing nose candy. What's going on? (laughs) It's so raw and realistic uh, scene for sure. But... We got to talk about number one. What is Ryland's number one favorite drug scene? Guess what? It's more cocaine. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess just weed doesn't stick in these, like as a dramatic drug use movie, I guess. But um, my number one's going to be the scene in Blow where Johnny Depp finally gets the Colombian white stuff. And it's Johnny Depp, Pee Wee Herman, Bobcat Goldthwait sitting in there trying this cocaine for the first time. What I'm doing here is measuring the purity. Pure Coke, uh, it melts away at about uh, 185, 190 degrees. Cutting agents, they melt away at uh, about 100. And quality product, well, that starts uh, melting at around 140. 130, good. 140, yes. 150. Fuck me running, 160, Jesus Christ, 170, 180, 187. Where did you get this stuff? Columbia. They all do a rail of it. Bobcat's humor comes in. He's, you know, I can't feel my face. And well, you know, that movie actually taught me a lot about. I got so much movement going on here. Hold on. You're good. Maybe we should just stick to the evenings. Fuck. <laughs> you know? I got phone calls coming in, sir. We're worried about your car warranty. I'm trying to do my I'm trying to do my movie radio show. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Goodbye. Sorry. The dogs. The dogs walking to the kitchen again. Um Bye. Peace out. Hey, now the now the cat's fucking around. Sorry. <laughs> God damn this fucking cats. Uh, sorry. Um, in, in all honesty, that movie taught me a lot about cocaine use in the 80s. It kicked off my curiosity for it. Like, it inspired me to research who Pablo Escobar was and, and Medellin and all that other kind of stuff. So when Entourage came around, I was fully on board. I knew exactly what the fuck was going on. Yeah, one of the best drug movies of all time by far. But my number one has got to be a scene from my favorite movie of all time, which is Pulp Fiction. And I gotta go with the heroin, cocaine, switcheroo, overdose, adrenaline shot sequence. All right, Mia. So listen, I gotta go, right? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. You oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck me, fuck me, oh. Come on, girl. We're getting out of here. We gotta walk now. Anybody who hasn't seen Pulp Fiction, it's a great series of events that happens. John Travolta is a guy who's addicted to heroin, and he buys some, 
and keeps it in his pocket. And then he ends up having to go on a date with his boss's wife, who's addicted to cocaine. One moment during the night, he leaves his jacket with her. She finds the bag of heroin thinking it's cocaine and does this railroad spike and just overdoses like crazy. And then it's a series of events that happens where get her in the car, drive her to his dealer's house and shoot her with adrenaline to basically revive her from death. Every time I watch the film, it never gets old. And it's, it's so gripping, especially for being an independent film like that. I got I, I to gotta stab her three times. No, you don't got to fucking stab her three times. You got to stab her once, but it's got to be hard enough to get through her breastplate into her heart. All right. All right? And then once you do that, you pr- press down on the, the plunger. Okay, then, what's ha- then what happens? I'm curious about that myself. This ain't no fucking joke, man. Am I gonna oh, kill her? I mean, no, 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 she's supposed to come out of it like that. It's all right. Count to three. All right, ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Say something. Something. The sound of the needle when it hits her chest has always stuck with me. It's so realistic, you know, because you know you're going through that breastplate. And I'm not a needles guy at all, so that scene has always stuck with me for sure. When I first watched that, I was so naive to drugs, I didn't know the switcheroo thing. I just thought it was a bad batch of something, you know. Obviously, he's tripping on heroin beforehand when he's driving and doing all that, but I didn't know what was going on. Then I'll watch it, obviously, later as an adult, and I'm going, oh, okay, this makes sense now. (laughs) So when you see her do that rail, you're just like, oh. She's grabbing her nose, and I can't imagine that feeling, that panic she had right then before she knew i mean you probably think you're dead right then and there and and that scene also has my favorite quote of any movie ever and that is this it all right what i need is a big fat magic marker you got it what a magic marker a a felt pen a fucking black magic marker come on man hurry up (laughs) that's my favorite line in all of cinema he's ready to fucking rip into anybody right now (laughs) anytime i'm looking for a sharpie i can't not think of that line a lot of pretty hard stuff in there we figured we'd have some type of funny stoner moment but (laughs) well you know i mean it really proves that we're a couple of fucking squares really (laughs) (laughs) we don't get down as often as, as other people but i think we made some great choices man thank you you are entirely welcome but now let us all go to my house for a little sponge cake or a little wine and earn shit to the lumberyard! Guys, we only got one more movie to talk about, and it's the movie that the real shit decided we should talk about on this episode, and that is the stoner film bracket champion half bait. We look at that day as the day we met the fifth member of our crew. Gentlemen, assume your positions. Thurgood, Brian, Kenny, and Scarface. Just feel like you're floating. This weed is fantastic. Their job stink. You suck, you suck, you suck, you're cool. Their <laughs> sex life is zero. How do I know you're not lying to me? How do I know you got panties on, Mary Jane? 
I don't. And their lives are going nowhere. I'm a professional meter hopper. <laughs> you have smoked yourself retarded. Who's our munchies tonight, yo? I make sure chocolate. Gotta have chocolate. Graham crackers. Pizzas, man. Celery, grape jelly, peanut butter, popcorn, beef jerky with water. Whole lot of water. You must have been so hungry. But now, they're in trouble. Oh, oh my God! I just gave him some candy and some chips and some pink popcorn. And All we gotta do is raise 10% of one million, yo. Which, by our calculations, is fucking impossible, man. The Food and Drug Administration are having us do a study. One pound of marijuana, and you can sign for it right here. Oh, yeah. Hey, fuck you. I got it. I know how we can get Kenny out. Weed, man. We'll sell weed. Isn't that the custodian? Maui, Wowie! <laughs> well, life is hard. I pick up that car with the smiley face. This guy is weak, crazy. We're not drug dealers. We're fundraisers. Go get me this Mr. Nice Guy. Well, you know, I'd be from Jamaica, man. What part of Jamaica? Right near the beach. Bye. From Universal Pictures comes a story that proves I'm somebody's bitch. Oh! Three heads are better than one. Who's out, man? I just stopped smoking yesterday. I remember when a dime bag cost a dime. Half-baked. I'm sorry! The final was happening a couple weeks ago when we were recording, and we talked about which way we would go, you know, up in smoke or half-baked. I remember you were a half-baked fanatic. I went the other way. Really, I can't I can't really wrap my head around why it beat out up in smoke. I, I guess just the younger generation, the demographic maybe. But since then, I had a chance to watch it again. And it's hilarious, as usual. I think it's more generational, you know. But also, it's the colorful characters, the cameos. The plot isn't just god-awful. The one-liners in there, you know, quotable things. And it's and to me, the rewatchability is there. It's got a decent little soundtrack in there, too, I've, I noticed when I rewatched. And Dave Chappelle, I mean, this is kind of, this is before he blew up and it didn't get much traction. I wrote some notes about it. It made $17 million on $8 million budget. Yeah, it's bad enough you a janitor, yo. <laughs> Custodian, dick. But really what happened was when Chappelle's show hit off, everyone mm -hmm. went back to it. And now it's become a cult classic with the DVDs and 420. So I think it had a lot going for it. And at the time... In the late 90s, it had a lot of cameos that nowadays are going, man, John Stewart when Stephen Baldwin and Janine Garofalo, these are these are 90s people. They're not even relevant anymore, but there's a lot of fun stuff in it that makes it rewatchable for sure. I heard he's got great weed, but but that's neither here nor there. I mean, we can't bring him down. Great. But we can bring his Samson. Just ask me how. Ask me! One of the things I picked up on on this last viewing that I never really thought about before was just the, the changing of the guard as far as comedy. Like, we, we were literally in the time where Will Ferrell and Jim Brewer were in the same SNL cast, but neither one of them had really blown up yet. Hold it up. I can't see it. Hold it up. Come on. We had Spidey. Get out of here, you hippo moron, you. Look at this kid. Look at this kid. Look at this scooch over here. What did I tell you? You, you, you said I thought. I, you said I, yeah, I yeah, thought. I did that. You, you thought, you said, I thought. You shoot ya. Look at this. Hold up the card so I can read it. Look at this kid. Look at this moron. He's landing planes over here. Lower, jackass. Why, why, why don't you hold the freaking card, Joe? Oh! Oh, the Guillaume's on this kid, huh? You talked to him like that, eh, hey, Spider? 
So really, the bulk of the comedy that was coming out in the mid-90s was coming from stand-up comedians who made the transfer to a narrative story. And this includes even like Home Improvement with Tim Allen, just all these stand-up-centric things that like the, the, the story revolved around the stand-up, the person themselves, rather than it being more of a sketch-heavy comedy run that you would get later on with Carell and Farrell and, and stuff like that. I love carpet. I love desk. Brick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love lamp. Do you really love the lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. Uh, so this was a very stand-up comedy-heavy movie to where all the cameos you were mentioning, they're all just other comedians that were in the circuit at the time. You know, Harlan Williams, he's a fantastic stand-up comedian. I think he does that better than anything else he's done in his career. That was just a little joke for those of you who haven't quite evolved yet. <laughs> My buddy Larry says to me, says, don't eat red meat, man, it'll kill you. I said, listen here, you idiot, you fry it for five minutes, it turns brown. <laughs> Larry's all sensitive about meat, he's a vegetarian. And I don't mind that he's a vegetarian, except every time we go out to dinner, he gives me a lecture. We're out at the restaurant the other night, he orders a great big salad. I order a great big juicy steak. He says to me, he says, hey man, you should be a vegetarian like me. You'll be a lot healthier and you'll live a lot longer. So I pick up my steak, I flap it in his face, and I said, you know what, Larry? This cow used to be a vegetarian. And then Dave Chappelle, I mean, the stand-up comedy legend. Society's changing rapidly, can't smoke indoors. What the fuck is that all about? I got kicked out of titty ball for smoking. No, that shit was ridiculous. The so stripper did it. The stripper came up like, your smoking is a health risk for me. I don't want to work in this kind of environment. And they threw me out. It's the dirtiest place I've ever been thrown out of. And just to give you an idea of what I mean by dirty, lap dances at this place, $3. It's fucking disgusting. And at the same time, who could pass up a sale, son? It was $3. Of course I did it. It's only 12 quarters. Said, I'll break a five for that. Get Bob Saget in there. I used to suck dick for Coke, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't not talk about this film and not talk about the Bob Saget cameo. I seen him. Now that's an addiction, man. You ever suck some dick for marijuana? Huh? No. No, I can't say I have. I didn't think so. Fool this man! But I wanted to talk about, you know, the production of the film. And I don't know if you know this, the director of Half Baked, before this, she directed the movie Billy Madison. Female director. Tamara so Davis. Looked a little bit up. She did a lot of crazy cool music videos, too, in the 90s. Crossroads, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun fact about Tamara Davis is that she's the wife of a Beastie Boy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. MCA from the Beastie Boys. His wife is Tamara Davis. As a matter of fact, the apartment 
that the guys live in, that is a replica of what the original studio for the early Beastie Boys recordings studio looked like. The brick with the paint on it and the Afghan stuff everywhere and the couch. Mm-hmm. Just a very small, compact area that was inspired by the Beastie Boys. And then beyond that, you have your writers. You have uh, Dave Chappelle and Neil Brennan, who would go on to create Chappelle's show. But I heard in the process of making this movie, they admitted they had no idea how to write a movie. They knew how to write stand-up. You know, so what they did was they bought a book by a pair of writers named Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. They basically made your 80s comedy movie entertainment. They're responsible for titles such as Parenthood, City Slickers, A League of Their Own, and they're big punch up people too. But they wrote two of my personal favorite comedies from the 90s also, which is uh, the movie Greedy with uh, Michael J. Fox. I brought him back today, and we're going to go and see his attorneys. From now on, honey, I'm going to be responsible for him. I'm going to be here with him and, you know, rich. And then they also wrote Multiplicity, directed by the great Harold Ramis. Okay, listen to me. This is the number one rule, okay? This is unbreakable. You can't even try to even bend this rule, all right? Nobody, nobody has sex with my wife but me. Hey, talk to him. Fabulous rule, Doug. Fabulous rule. The stuff they write is legendary, classic comedy. They basically read the book by those two guys, and that's how they learned how to write a script. And so they literally just applied all of those basic techniques in that book and applied them to Half-Baked. And so it kind of has that you know universal, timeless feel to it, especially with the opening text, which was, you know, anywhere town, USA, <laughs> very vague until he gets to New York. And then when you get to New York, you meet the four main characters, Dave Chappelle, you got Guillermo Diaz, who plays Scarface, you got Harlan Williams, who plays Kenny, and then you got Jim Brewer, who plays Brian. And of course, the lovable old James. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Old James, old James wasn't there. I don't even know nobody named old James. Shoot. Gone. It's just basically their world. Uh, Harlan Williams gets arrested for killing a uh, police. <laughs> Sorry, how do, I, how do I word this? They send him on the munchies trip. They all sit down. They smoke their bong. They're Billy Bong Thornton. And he comes out of the 7-Eleven. And there's a police horse there sitting there tied up. And the guy just starts feeding the horse because he's hungry. <laughs> the funniest part is that. He's sitting there, and he feeds this horse everything in the bag. And the actual police officer rolls up and tells him, Oh, a cop! Find a cop! I need an ambulance! Now! Officer down! I repeat, officer down! What the hell did you give my buttercup? I just gave him some candy and some chips and some pink popcorn and some Funyuns. This horse is a diabetic! Which, you know, is such a great classic comedy bit. Like, you don't know what's going on until he reveals it, which mm-hmm. is so funny. And one of my favorite lines is, You're under arrest. What? You dumb son of a bitch. No! You cop killer. Cop killer. You know, that's where this movie takes off. And that's, to me, some of the funniest parts of this is the prison stuff. Nasty Nate. That squirrel master played by Tommy Chong, which is a great nod to the stoner film. Do you know who you're dealing with? 
Chill, nasty Nate. He's my bitch. Anybody gonna stab him, it's gonna be me. You got a problem with that? Better watch your back, fish. Cause squirrel master ain't gonna be there for you all the time. Cause next time I come for you, I'm gonna want some cocktail. Fruit. Take it. I'm somebody's bitch. It's so incredibly bonkers, man, this movie. And so the, the three remaining roommates, they have to figure out how to get Kenny out of jail. And you got to pay money to do that. And they got to figure out how to make money. And they figured out that they can sell weed. It, it's just the series of events that happens to get them to this point is just so funny. Like the, the way he's able to get the weed, you know, with yeah. the, the doctor's forms and all that kind of stuff. Hey. Why didn't you tell me we're into this shit, man? We could have been hanging out months ago. Ah, ah, no, 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 no. The, the uh, Food and Drug Administration are having us do a study to determine what, uh, if any, are the uh, medicinal purposes of uh, marijuana. Mm. Wow. Well, if you ever need a guinea pig, let me know, you know. My grandfather was into Tuskegee experiments. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, thank you, janitor, and enjoy. <laughs> thank you, scientist. Got any papers? <laughs> and I love how he just calls him scientist, and the scientist calls him janitor. The, I like the scene where the first time he figures out that he's going to go get a pound of marijuana from inside where he works. And the lady's like, okay, here's your pound of marijuana. And he's like almost jizzing in his pants <laughs> while he's writing on that clipboard. Oh, uh, uh. I don't I don't think Dave Chappelle has chops, but that's about as good as you get out of him. And yeah, and so then they're off to the races. They have their supply. They figure out their business model. But at the same time, Dave Chappelle's character, Thurgood, he starts a relationship with a girl named Mary Jane. Hey, guys, just shut up about the weed for two seconds, all right? I don't want this girl to know I smoke. Yeah, it's bad enough you're a janitor, yo. <laughs> Custodian, dick. And I'm not sure if, if you caught her last name. Yeah, Mary Jane Popman. Just the most blatant. It reminds me of Christy Boner from Negroes in the Car. <laughs> Look, it's Christy Boner. of the hot El Fuego of all that is El Fuego but yeah and so there's this whole other subplot of him trying to further his relationship with Mary Jane while at the same time being this weed dealer to help his friend get out of jail and so everything he's doing it has nobility to it so he's not like a hated character he has this journey that he has to take in order to get his friend out of jail which is very noble and at the same time he's trying to live his own life and he sees an opportunity with this girl and he doesn't want to fuck it up that, that goes back to the Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel sitcom mentality that oh boy I can't let my girlfriend know that I'm a massive weed dealer because her father went to jail for weed. You know, it's a great setup and you just love watching him trying to sidestep this the entire time. And really, the bulk of the middle of the movie is a huge montage of the types of stoners that there are in the world. And I love this little part in the movie. Yeah. Because you get all those cameos. If you ever smoke weed with people, there's always these types of people. <laughs> Do you have a favorite of that montage? Uh, you know... I think I, Willie Nelson's was funny. Big Willie fan. Man, you're cool as shit, mister. I hate to do it, but I got to charge you. That, that, that's 60 bucks. 60 bucks? Yeah. Man, I remember when a dime bag cost a dime. You know what I mean? You know how much condoms used to cost back in them days? How much? 
I don't know. I, we never used them. <laughs> and for him to, you know, to be the old man that's talking about, you know, a dime bag was a dime. Always made me chuckle. <laughs> you know? But also Stephen Baldwin playing the MacGyver, the, the guy fixing the car. And, Give me an ice pick and a snorkel. <laughs> hey, man, we're out of papers. All right, then get me a toilet paper roll, a corkscrew, and some tinfoil. We don't have a corkscrew. All right, then get me an avocado, an ice pick, and my snorkel. Trust me, bro, I've made bongs with less. Hurry up. When we were kids growing up, this was not legal in any state. Your first time you smoke weed, I, it was out of a Coke can for me. I don't know about you. I've seen people smoke it out of an apple, an orange, uh, <laughs> any way possible. So as the MacGyver guy made me chuckle, too. Do you know uh, the story with the Snoop Dogg appearance? No, I don't. I would love to hear it. They wanted him to play Sir Smoke-A-Lot. That was initially supposed to be Snoop Dogg's character, but they couldn't figure out how to make it work or something. So they still had a cameo with Snoop in the movie. He's the yeah. guy that the second you light up a joint, he just comes out of nowhere sitting there on the on the side of the street. You know we sell this. I don't know if you knew that. It's too bad, man. I just stopped smoking yesterday. I'm going to get up out of here, man. Y'all stay up, man. The entire movie, obviously, they're not smoking real weed, except for the scene with Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is really smoking weed in that scene, and Tamara Davis was just freaking out. Like, they're on set, and Snoop's just lighting a J up, you know, doing a scene, and the security people started to come towards the scene, and she's freaking out. And they could care less about the weed. They just wanted Snoop Dogg's autograph. That's funny. So a fun little fact there. It's so funny that you bring it up, because in this movie, it's blatantly not weed that they're using as the prop for weed. I mean, it looks almost like stringy oregano, almost. Or it just looks like the worst dirt weed you've ever seen in your life. I want to talk about the prison scenes. That's really some of my favorite stuff. Making love was just for fun. Those days are gone. know you've got tommy chong playing this squirrel master guy he's got a little squirrel in his pocket in jail and kenny's just scared for his life he's he's a kindergarten teacher he's a nice guy you know and he's thrown into this prison world and you've got this giant black guy named nasty nate who wants a piece of that ass and <laughs> there's just soap suds flying at him every two or three seconds you know and and really it's all about the inflection i, I realize that when i say certain words i say it in the inflection of the half-baked movie sometimes. Like, I still can't say the word scavenger without putting that Dave Chappelle on it, you know? Yeah. You better watch your back, fish. I, I still can't say it without saying it the Nasty Nate way, you know? That's that part that's really ingrained in me. I'm going to take your little Mexican friend with me, and I'm going to kill him. I'm Cuban B. Yes, Cuban B. Because, you know, back in the 90s, you had Adam Sandler, Will Smith, and Jim Carrey movies. And then occasionally you had an offshoot, like half-baked. That was just so quote worthy. And you could make people laugh for decades with movie quotes, you know? I was going to say, being a movie buff made me much funnier than I would be normally in life. Because at that time, like you said, there was no internet really. So you had to be creative. And what was my creative outlet was movies. I would sit there and kill kids with the movie quotes. And the oh, more yeah. you knew, you know, the better you were because you could almost find any situation in life that made a movie quote. I was at work last night. Sweating my ass off, sweating like a motherfucker, just right. busting my ass behind that bar. 
And I'm working with a 22-year-old girl. I'm sitting there going, man, it's hot in these rhinos, you know, the, the Ace Ventura quote. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, never mind. You, you, you won't know. I had to explain the entire scene. <laughs> she just looked at me like, what? <laughs> it didn't yeah. hit. Because, you know, you have to see these movies. It has to make sense. Our heyday is coming, gone, Rylan. Like, we were the kings at one point. Just old man. There's a guy named Jasmine I used to work with. Yeah. And I would always say it the way Will Smith said it in Independence Day. Like, like hey, yo, Jasmine. I don't believe this. Jasmine. Neighbors moving out. Guess they finally got tired of all these quakes. A little shaking, they running. <laughs> and and she- she had no idea right. what I was talking about. And I was like, I thought everybody knew Independence Day. I realized this about five years ago that I was getting old mm. and that my references were so fucking out of date. But yeah, if, if you try and make a Spies Like Us or Blazing Saddles reference, <laughs> you're going to get nothing but blank faces. Oh, put us around our demographic, man, and we'll kill. You know, it's just, it's got to be the right, uh, the yeah. right room. Fucking gunslingers, man. They're just knock them down, man. We had Alex Corson for our last group choice episode, and he was very vocal about not wanting Half-Baked to win based solely on the fact that he turned snitch in the end of this movie. He became a non-weed smoker in favor of Mary Jane, the, the girl. To him, that would seem like a huge slight in the stoner realm. I know what you're thinking. That old third good sold out, right? I'm your girl now. But let me tell you something. I love weed, okay? I love it. But not as much as I love pussy. The end. Like all of that movie can just be dismissed if we're really talking about it analytically. At the end, he throws the joint into the river and and she goes, you'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) That's another one where there was a piece of cold pizza in my fridge and I was going to eat it at like one in the morning. And I go, no. No, it wouldn't be right. God damn you. <laughs> it's just there. It's just there in the back of your brain. It's just a natural instinct. But uh, do you have a favorite scene of this whole movie, Ronald? Rewatched it today. I watched the uncut version, the fully baked version, which had some fun uh, director's commentary, the deleted scenes, which were definitely worth deleting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there were some cool ones in there. It was about 10 minutes worth of deleted scenes. But, you know, I couldn't pick, like, a favorite scene out of the whole thing. I love the beginning with the kids, you know, with the giant candy bars and and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was a great intro. You know, I've heard people say they don't get high the first time they smoke. Not me. Oh, not us. We were really, really high. We was towed up. What about you? God, I would I would have to pick from a handful, maybe. Right. If I could pick two. First one would be a Kenny scene. It would be the one where he's looking in the mirror and he does the fish lips. Yep. Where did that come from? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And I, and I still hold Harlan Williams in high regard. Because it's six-minute abs. Yeah, you heard of this thing, the eight-minute abs? Yeah. Um, anyway, and then uh, my other favorite scene is the, the entire sequence where they find uh, the dog dead and they bury him. And then Brian comes up with this ridiculous story about how Killer died. And then right after that, you get the phone call with Samson. His Jamaican ass. You see, I, I can't help myself. <laughs> I, I just said it in that same way. Oh, my God. We're in a lot of trouble. Scarface. Perhaps he could help me. Why do you think Samson thinks that Mr. Nice Guy's a Jamaican? Oh, because I told him Mr. Nice Guy was Jamaican, yo. Why? 
I don't know. I just always thought he sounded Jamaican inside my head, B. But if you were to give this thing a rating out of 10 stars, Ryland, how would you remember this film in a critical sense? I'm going to give it an 8.420. That's what I'm going to give it. <laughs> you, I don't give out too many nines, if you've noticed. So the one-liners, the cameos are fantastic. It's just a fun all-around stoner movie, man. And some of the best stoner characters, I mean, Jim Brewer. It's just his look, his hair, the way his face is. I mean, he's just classic stoner guy. And 8.420, baby. That's the, the most precise score I've given. Brian bought something, too. For $400, I got Jerry Garcia in a pouch, man. Who the hell told you that? The guy who sold it to me, Barry Garcia. What's he supposed to be, Jerry Garcia's brother? No, actually, it's Andy Garcia's brother. <laughs> you know, as as quote-worthy as it is, as much as it has a, a huge soft spot in my heart, critically, I just cannot give this thing higher than, like, 7.3, man. It's part of my memories growing up. You know, it's, uh, it's a rite of passage. It's how I learned some of the subculture. It, it taught me a lot, you know. And so it holds a special place in my heart, but it is nowhere near a masterpiece. 7.3 based on the memories, based on the pace of the film was great. Uh, the comedy is next to none. And it has a legacy, you know, so you can't discount that. Uh, I heard just through research that they're going to make a sequel. It's like in the works, actually. And this was in July of 20. So this is like recent news. I mean, what would you do with them? Would they be dads? Some of them have kids and some of them don't. Or where would you put them? Yeah, would it be more like a Sex in the City type situation? Like <laughs> like one of them's like really successful, one of them's really conservative, one of them's really a homebody. You know, like how do, how do they play that out? And just to see Dave Chappelle in a film again, that would be so dope. Up until this point, you've seen him just do Besides A Star Is Born. His stand-up, and then he did a couple of SNL appearances. We've got a great show tonight! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, A Tribe Called Quest is in the building. I don't see him get back into film, but who knows? But that, I think that's it, guys. That That's half-baked, man. I had so much fun, guys. This was for y'all. Uh, we appreciate your input. We appreciate you being engaged in the group choice episode. I'm so sad that the mystery box still has not been picked. One of these days, I will get my mystery box episode. But that about wraps it up, guys. So, for Rylan Johnson, my name is Charlie Thompson, and we have been spitting the real shit. Peace out. Hey, Charlie, I've ever told you that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is my favorite. I don't know. <laughs> Hey